Welcome to the Leadership Zone. I'm your host, Sheila Walsh, Leadership Development Specialist, Coach and Researcher. Welcome back to the next episode of the Leadership Zone. This is probably going to be my favourite episode so far, and there's a couple of announcements throughout the episode. So the first thing is that many of you will know that inclusive leadership is what I've been focusing on over the last while, mainly because I'm doing a PhD within inclusive leadership. And that, of course, has trickled into how I'm thinking about it in terms of industry and in terms of language and in terms of why people say we need to be inclusive and whether that's actually the right conversation. And so today's episode, we're going to speak about inclusive leadership from the perspective of why bother. And this may not be to everyone's liking. I put that up front in advance. So to start with, I see inclusive leadership as effective leadership that utilizes inclusive practices so that you can get the most out of your team and support your organization achieving its goals. And one of the challenges is, depending on your background, your approach to inclusive leadership may preference a different part of the conversation. So if you've been sitting there thinking, I'd like to be a more inclusive leader, well, then it's worth also thinking about why and which part of that do you want? Often when people hear me speak about inclusive leadership, they go straight to a DNI lens, a diversity and inclusion lens. They don't necessarily think about it from a leadership lens, which is how do I use inclusion and inclusive practices so that my team are more effective, their performance improves, we have more innovation, more employee engagement, more employee retention, better ideas, more creativity. These are the types of things that inclusive leadership lends itself really well to. Now, one of the challenges is that often when I'm in workshops or training, people will say, well, is inclusive leadership not just being polite and nice to everyone? And it's not, because you can be polite and kind to someone and still be excluding them. Inclusive leadership is this balance between uniqueness and valuing somebody's unique contribution and also their belongingness, facilitating an opportunity for belongingness. Now, this is where it gets complex because a lot of diversity and inclusion agendas see that uniqueness as an identity. Now, while someone's identity is part of the uniqueness that they add, what's often happening is that we only see the person through the lens of their identity. And in diversity and inclusion work, that the uniqueness can often be about the identity of the person rather than their full uniqueness. And this is where it's really important to consider how different lived experiences and identities do inform different viewpoints. But also to know that somebody's uniqueness may go far beyond a identity label. It may lean on previous experiences. It may lean on previous training. It may lean on a worldview we haven't considered It may lean on a strength or a skill set that we haven't utilized before. And so while uniqueness does have a relationship with somebody's identity, if we only see it to the limit of their identity, it can be a barrier to actual inclusion. The other thing is there's a big conversation at the moment about belongingness. And belongingness is only half of the equation for inclusion. Because when we focus overly on belongingness, what we'll tend to get is an assimilation where people will have to assimilate to belong. They will have to give up parts of their uniqueness so that the group will accept them. But the other thing that's challenging about belongingness is that it's a co-created experience. So a workplace can create invitations for inclusion and therefore invitations for your uniqueness being valued and for you to experience belonging. 
but it is co-created. And so on the back end of that, invitations can be created and one may not feel like they belong. And some of these belongings are because of how the environment is set up and designed. And some of these belongings are because of people's individual own experiences and beliefs about belonging. And obviously, when we're talking about inclusion and inclusive leadership, we're actually talking about power, how we use power, who we value, who gets privilege, who is considered less than. We're really, with inclusive leadership, thinking about what we may be preferencing that may not be effective or lead to the value of completing the task. Because at the end of the day, all leadership, regardless of where you're leading, has to contribute to the purpose that you're leading for. And so inclusive leadership needs to foster inclusion, which is valuing that uniqueness and facilitating belongingness to contribute to the task at hand, not simply for the sake of it. Because if it's simply for the sake of it, we can become distracted by multiple different agendas and not actually contribute to the task at hand. And for different organizations, the task at hand is different based on the structure of the organization, based on its purpose, based on the people it employs. So one of the things we have to think about is that inclusive leadership is invitations to inclusion so that employees can feel that their uniqueness is valued and also feel that they're invited to belong and that that is facilitated. That doesn't mean you're always nice because sometimes having frank conversations or challenging people who are misusing power is an inclusive act. That isn't necessarily what people would prefer you to do, still an inclusive act. The other thing to consider is that inclusive leadership is not simply about desires of the individual. Inclusive leadership is not simply about the desires of individuals. It is about coming together and harnessing the uniqueness and the safety of belonging so that you can produce really great results together. It also moves us away from this individualistic idea of success, and it moves us into understanding that collective success actually adds more value to the organization than individual success. And so it challenges us to think beyond high performers as individuals, because often high performers will be quite individualistic because that's how they get praise and attention. But they may actually be taking down others within their team and limiting other people's performance. So inclusive leadership and why we need to be doing it is because it is better for the organization to include people and to have clear boundaries around the kinds of conversations and the ways we interact with each other. It is not a moral stance. Why do people take a moral stance on it? It doesn't need to be a moral stance because in a workplace, it needs to contribute to the purpose of the organization. So we need to think about inclusive leadership, not simply as a moral imperative, which it is but actually in operationalizing it within the workplace, we need to think about how we include people's uniqueness and ensure that there's enough safety that they feel they belong in the space, that they can challenge things and that we can improve things together so that we can have a higher performance as a team and organization so that your people know how to make decisions because you're role modeling conversations that shares the opportunity for different opinions, different experiences. The worst thing that can happen in a team meeting, in my experience and in supporting hundreds of leaders, is that everybody agrees. If everybody agrees, we're either all in group think or actually it's not safe enough to disagree or to, to pull a question. Now, that isn't the same as saying we want to always disagree in meetings. But what we do want is for people to think about the discussed topic from multiple perspectives. Now, there's another extreme where you can have a lot of people in competition. It's called 
me-ness, as in M-E-ness. And it's where people are busy trying to be better than each other or get their own agenda or needs met. When that group dynamic happens, well, then you're probably not going to focus on uniqueness. You need to focus more on shared and collective belonging, ensuring that no one person or group or agenda dominates the conversation. But on the other extreme, when everybody's agreeing, you do actually want to focus on uniqueness. And so inclusive leadership is both an art and a science in balancing how you make decisions and how you interact with your employees. There is brilliant research, and I'll put a link to my website because you'll see some of the stats on the link below. But it's really important to think about inclusive leadership in terms of how will it help you harness the strengths and talents of every single individual on your team? And how will it allow you to leave room for outcomes, ideas, innovation, creativity, problem solving, solution finding that you haven't previously been able to do because of the ways things work in your organization? And so inclusive leadership can start with really simple things. And I'll give you three of them before we leave this episode today. One of the things inclusive leadership can be is simply asking for an alternative opinion within a meeting, saying, OK, that sounds great. And I'm wondering, does anyone have an alternative view that we could consider? And that's especially important during groupthink. On the reversal side, if everybody is disagreeing and always running their agenda, the question you might want to ask instead is, can somebody build on the point that's just been made? How can we support this point so that we start getting our team members to align? So that's one thing you can do so far on both ends of the spectrum, from we-ness, where there's a lot of groupthink, to me-ness, where there's a lot of competition for one's own agenda. The second piece of advice about inclusive leadership that you could utilize straight away today is ensure that there's multiple ways that people can contribute to collecting information, data, or sharing their points. There is a bias in workplaces towards extroversion, and this bias often leads to telling people about being confident, or speaking up more. And it's actually ignoring that if we didn't have introversion and this spectrum of both, we would probably not work very well as a group. And so if you can have multiple ways that people can contribute to ideas, whether it's adding to a jam board, following up with an email afterwards, whether it's a one, two, four, eight scenario, which is where somebody writes down their own thoughts, they speak to one other person, then that pair speaks to another pair, and then that four speak to another four. That approach can help people with different opinions to add their opinions. Also follow up emails, jam boards, creative ways to add ideas to the mix. And that will allow people multiple different ways to contribute. The other thing you can do is if you're not sure what will work in your organization, look for where there seems to be missing, where people seem to miss to contribute, where it seems to be difficult to contribute and find out why. When you find out why, move towards what you need to do instead. And then the third but not final tip Think about inclusion as a safety mechanism, that whenever you consider the perspectives you might be ignoring in a meeting or problem solving, whenever you ask, what aren't we including here? What are we ignoring? What are we denying? Whenever you do that, you are safe proofing your idea, your approach, because what you're doing is you're making room for perspectives that might jar the conversation, might not be privileged or valued perspectives, but you're also considering people who might not be in the room that you might not be able to consult with. You're thinking about what they may say and what insight they may give you. And this question about what might not be including, what might we be ignoring, what might we be in denial of, allows you to future-proof and safe-proof your idea because it allows you to consider perspectives that might be more difficult to include in your thinking. 
And so these three tips can help you today make things a little bit more inclusive, but not just for the sake of it, for the sake of improving performance and supporting ways of working that allow employees to feel valued, but also to feel responsible for their contribution. If you have any questions, you can always catch me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, or LinkedIn at, at Sheila Walsh One. That's S I L E W A L S H One. And you'll see links to the different points that I made throughout the episode today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Zone. We can continue this conversation over on Twitter, and my Twitter handle is at Sheila Walsh One. Or at LinkedIn, you'll find me under Sheila Walsh. To book a free consultation to discuss your leadership needs or the leadership development needs of your organisation, simply visit my website www.sheilawalsh.com and book a free leadership consultation. I look forward to hearing from you.